0: Good morning, everybody. When you leave this morning, uh, make sure you grab a bulletin It's jam-packed with, with amazing information. Because we're, as you know, we're, I'll speak about it more as we get along with the homily. Uh, but I'm excited about a project that we're launching at the beginning of Lent, so make sure you grab a bulletin. But not also that, but there's a famous photo. That, I, that was printed on the bulletin itself. It's a very, very famous photo. And we talked about it over the years. But it's a photo of a priest, Father Miguel Pro. He's standing, in, he's standing in front of a firing squad and his arms are outstretched like this. It's a very, very famous photo. Arms outstretched like this. And he's wearing a suit, jacket, a tie. He's not wearing a priestly collar and there's a reason why So that photo that you'll see as you leave was taken on November 23rd, 1927. What was happening then? Ten years prior in 1917, the Mexican government issued a new constitution for their country. And part of the new constitution that they wrote several articles. And these articles were targeted specifically at destroying the Catholic Church in Mexico. And so one of the articles was it was illegal to have Catholic schools so they shuttered down all of our Catholic schools. We could no longer have any primary schools, secondary schools because remember, the Catholic Church has the largest private institution for education in the world. Largest. Even in the, in the country, we have the largest private school network. So they shut down all of our schools. Second, they literally barred our church doors. Third, they remove all public expression of the Catholic faith, especially if you go to Mexico, even in Italy or many of European countries or Latin America. We have all these beautiful, vibrant processions through the streets and towns. We have religious processions, especially if your town, if they have a particular feast day for uh, for their patron of their particular town for a saint. This is where the name festival comes from from the from the from the word feast. And the town will all come out, the whole town will come out and celebrate their Catholic faith. They'll process through the town carrying statues of their patron saints, images of Jesus, of the Blessed Mother, and they process through town. Illegal. As priests, we couldn't wear our collars anymore. I love wearing my cassock wherever I go, especially Walmart or Costco. I always look like a freak walking around there. But praise the Lord, because I can talk about Jesus to people come up to me. But illegal. None stripped from their habits. They kicked out all of our foreign missionaries out of Mexico. And so this is where that beautiful photo now comes in. Father Miguel Pro snuck back into Mexico. And in the secret shadows, he would have masks in people's homes. He would form people in marriage. The people wanted to get married. It was illegal to get married in the Catholic Church, so they would, he would secretly form couples in the Catholic faith. He would, have, he would baptize people. And then, eventually, his luck ran out. And on November 23rd, he was captured and put in front of a firing squad. And when they asked him, Father, what, and you have any last words before we execute you? And in that famous words, arms outstretched. And this became the rallying cry. So you scream this out to any Mexican, they'll, they'll know it to this very day. It's a rallying cry. Father Miguel Pro, the rosary in his hand, arms like this, in front of a firing squad, yelled, Viva Cristo Rey! Long live Christ the King! You yell that out to any Mexican, they'll start, they respond, Que viva! <laughs> live! It's 1927. Why did the Mexican government attack us? Students of history will know that this is nothing new. The year 202, the emperor is now Diocletian in the Roman Empire. He sits on the throne. He arrests all people who are studying to be Catholic. Why? Why? This is where the famous story, the martyrdom of Saints Felicity and Perpetua come into play. The earliest writings from 202, we have the diary of Perpetua, her diary that she wrote in prison. Year 202, 1800 years old, 1800 year old diary. You can read it. The year 303, the emperor now was Emperor Severus. Severus would now launch because what he found was that the, the Catholic Church kept growing. And says, Oh, how do we stop the Catholic Church? They're growing too fast. They're growing like Catholic rabbits. They're spreading everywhere, right? He says, Ah, let's take their scriptures and burn them. Why? Why burn our scriptures? Ah, it's nothing new. Let's jump immediately now, the year 2022. If you ever get a visa to visit North Korea, I don't know why you're going to go to North Korea, but if you ever do, if you go to North Korea, go to Pyongyang. They will search all of your belongings, every nook and cranny of your luggage. You know what they're looking for? They're looking for a little black book. The Holy Bible. If you have a Bible with you, it will kick you out of that country. What is Kim Jong-un so afraid of, of that little black book? Go to China today. The current president, quote unquote, he's not a president, he's a dictator, Xi Jinping. The Communist Party has a huge problem on their hands. Like in the early Roman Empire, we're we're spreading like crazy in China. They can't stop us. If the demographic trends continue, what's going to happen is that there will be more Christians in China by the year 2050 than any other nation on earth. And so that's a huge problem. So if you're the, if the communist, communist, uh, Chinese Communist Party and you're seeing, oh my gosh, Christianity is spreading like crazy. What do we do? So currently right now, it is illegal to teach Christianity to anybody under 18. Why? It is legal now. I just had lunch with a Chinese, one of our Catholic missionaries she came up to visit. And she says right now, because she still works in China, here's this white girl, blonde hair, blue eyes, speaks perfect Mandarin. It's beautiful to take her to a Chinese restaurant, by the way. She'll order ordering perfect Mandarin too. Here's this white girl saying that's hilarious, <laughs> and it's good to eavesdrop on Chinese people too. You can kind of, if they're talking about you. He says, recently China just outlawed posting of Christianity on social media. You can't post anything about Christianity on social media there. That's a new one. But the Communist Party in China is pretty smart. Because another thing that they started to do is that they understand that they can't suppress the church in China outright. So instead, they say, let us rewrite the Bible. John chapter 8, verse 7, there's a powerful story of the woman caught in adultery. It's a famous story. Because remember, this to remind you, in that beautiful scene, you had that woman caught in adultery and then the crowd had gathered and they had picked up stones and they're about to stone her to death, which was the punishment of anybody caught in adultery. Remember that powerful story? And then Jesus suddenly appears. And then Jesus famously says, probably one of the most famous one-liners of all of history. He says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. John chapter eight. And then immediately what happens next? Everybody... Figures out, oh no, I'm a sinner too. So they drop the stones and they all fall away. And Jesus is left with that woman. And he says to her, go and sin no more. You know how the Communist Party rewrote that? In their Bible, it says now, and then Jesus picked up a stone and stoned her to death. And he yelled out, for I too am a sinner. That's John chapter 8, verse 7 in China. Why are they doing this? Again, students of history will know, it is nothing new. Every emperor that has suppressed the church, every tyrannical dictator or government understands something very powerfully. That if I want to control you and if I want to manipulate you and if I want to have power, I must keep you ignorant of Jesus Christ. Why? If I can keep you ignorant of this book that is proclaimed at every single mass, every single Sunday, if I can keep you dumb about this book... I can control an entire people. Because what Jesus Christ has done, again, our entire civilization, what it has done, again, remember, Western civilization is built upon this insidious, dangerous book. Is that it reveals to us our identity. It tells us who we are, our value, and it tells us where we're going and what to aim for. Look what Paul beautifully says in the second reading today. And this is, look what he says. He goes all the way back. He says, it is written from the first man, Adam. And he begins to talk about Genesis, the beginning of of, of creation. And he begins to speak about Genesis, tells you the story of, of, of how we were created. And then he ends here. For we have been born in the image of the earthly one, Adam. And we shall also bear the image of the heavenly one, meaning Jesus Christ. So what Paul here was reminding the first century hearers is God created you. That's your identity. And now Jesus Christ has come to shed his blood to restore your identity and to remind you who you are and where you're going. And our kingdom is the heavenly home. Christ reveals to us who and what every human being is. You see, that's a problem if you're a tyrannical government. Because if you know who you are, then you will resist me. You know, before coming up here, I was in Vacaville. And there's some, some debate about whether Vacaville is part of the Bay Area or not. It sits on the straddle. kind of straddles the line. It's a big debate over there. You're not part of the Bay Area. It's a, it's a hilarious thing. But we used to have meetings when we were there with the police. Because the Bay Area was a hub for human trafficking. It's a huge business by the way. It's a, it's a dark shadowy world which we don't like talking about because it's, it's ugly. But it, it is absolutely prominent, it's very lucrative. And so we were taught about, said, because it was such a hub, that we were taught to try to look for signs of, of young girls who were being humanly trafficked. And so we would try to save them of course. And powerfully, and this you should be proud of as a Catholic church, we are on the forefront of battling human trafficking all over the world. We're on the front lines of that. And there's a powerful ministry, but this particular ministry in San Diego, they're called the Children of the Immaculate Heart. Such a Catholic name. The Children of the Immaculate Heart. And this ministry that we have is that we take these young girls that are involved in human trafficking and we provide them a way out. We provide for them shelter, formation, how to get a job, to break free from that insidious life. And in this, in this home, the children of the Immaculate Heart, they were interviewing a, a converted human trafficker. And they asked them, how do you get these young girls into, into that way of life? And this is very insightful, and, and I think it's a good thing for us to know. This is how they go hunting for our daughters. This is how they do it. He said he would go to a mall. They'll send a young man in, usually somebody young, good-looking, charismatic. Send him in there, and they'll find the young girls throughout the mall. You know the malls, there's always people around. And then the guy will go to a girl, and he'll say, oh, you have beautiful eyes. Well, I love it. Has anybody told you you have a beautiful smile? And then if the girl says, oh, I know, thank you, and walks away, ignore her. But the girl that says this, No, I don't. No, nobody's ever told me that. And she'll she'll look down and he says, that's the one they want. Because she has no idea who she is. She has no identity. Because the next step is, so they find somebody who is utterly beat down, who has no self-esteem whatsoever. And then they begin to build her up in her identity. They say, no. You have a beautiful smile. Look at those eyes. Oh, you can be a model. What? No one has ever told you that before? You're not loved? Oh, come. I'll show you. And then they begin to build her up in, into their idea of what it means to be, to be somebody of value and of worth. Because then, they, once they build up that connection, once they build her up in her identity, then they can just take her and then they become a pawn in that insidious life. Because their value now is rooted in what they do and what they provide. And he says this about it. He says, you know, the greatest weapon against us is that when you love your daughters, when you tell them who they are and that they're beautiful and that they're loved and that they're a part of our family. He says, you do that to to, to the young people. Oh, They'll, they'll, they'll never fall into our trap. What is he speaking about there, of that world? But he's speaking about identity. That works on the individual level. And it also works on a societal level, which is why tyrannical governance from the very beginning of the Roman Empire to, the, to North Korea, to China, to Mexico in the 1920s, it is always is, what the always tyrannical governments always say, they always try to suppress the loudest voice of identity. And for the past 2,000 years, that loudest voice has always been us. That is why they must suppress the Bible in order to manipulate an entire people. Because what this book, why it's so dangerous, is that it tells you and I who we are. See, this is what the Bible does. It provides a foundation. It keeps us rooted. You know, last week, remember, I quoted that University of Chicago study. It was a a new study which reported that the vast majority of Americans are utterly depressed and miserable. Remember that stuff from last Sunday I quoted? And one of the reasons why, I don't think I got into it last Sunday, one of the reasons why Americans are reporting miserable rates, numbers that we haven't seen in decades. One of the reasons what they cite is that it's because we feel like we have no longer any purpose. We have no sense of meaning in our lives. It's speaking about that, people, that Americans as a whole are losing their sense of identity. And so now because we've, as our culture gets less and less Christian, it's leaving a huge void that we've, we've rejected the, the word of God in our lives, and so there's a huge void. And then so what happens? G.K. Chesterton famously said, G.K. Chesterton was the English convert to Catholicism, part of one of the most famous converts. This is what he says. He says, when men choose not to believe in God, they do not then thereafter believe in, uh, believe in nothing. Rather, they become capable of believing in anything. So in other words, what he's saying here, and he points it out to human psychology, is that if I, don't, if I no longer found myself on my dignity as a, as a son and daughter of God, if my value isn't in Jesus Christ and in the God of whom he reveals, I'm then now going to latch on to whatever loudest voice in my life of my, for my value. And again, as a, to be that broken record, that irritating broken record to you, if, if a God is not in our lives, the loudest voice that will always bubble up in our, in our, for our value and our identity is what? Oh, now my, my value is in money. Look at my house. Look how big it is. Look at how many cars I have in my driveway. Oh, drugs, alcohol. Oh, pleasure, honor. Oh, my, my, my value now is, is in your reciprocation of you telling me and affirming my identity. You tell me my value. And therefore, if my value is that, then I got to focus on my body and how I look and how beautiful I am. You see, now that becomes the loudest voice of our of a value in our lives. That's not who we are. This is, this is why the Bible will always be the most dangerous book in history. Because it reveals to humanity our truest worth and who we are. And that is why on March 8th, the Tuesday after Ash Wednesday. So Ash Wednesday is coming up. I can believe Lent is quickly upon us. On March 8th, Tuesday, 6 p.m., in this beautiful painted hall that we got here, we're going to do a deep dive into sacred scripture. And we announced it last Sunday how we're going to do a parish-wide Bible study using what's called the Bible Timeline. And it's a powerful program. Essentially what it is, we're going to do a deep dive in order for us to reclaim our story. So it'll be myself, Scott, and Emma Bailey as, as co-facilitators and we, we're going to offer this Bible study for the parish. And amazingly, uh, so again, all the details will be in the bulletin today. So make sure you grab it so you don't have to remember all of the little details I'm going to uh, express to you today. We're going to kick off that Tuesday, March 8th. And already since we last, uh, announced it last week, we're clo- uh, the group's probably around eight, uh, 30 people now. So it's going to be, a, I think it's a pretty good interest in our, in our parish People from Grey Eagle, even people from Reno, are driving all the way out here for our Bible study. And so, I want to encourage every single person in here to participate in the Bible study. And one of the reasons why I'm so emphatic about this because I want you to take the Bible. I want you to pick it up, and I want you to no longer see it simply as a collection of strange names, like in that first reading today. See all the strange names: Saul, the desert of Sif, Abishah, David. Abner, son of Nair. Who the heck are all these people? It's confusing. And so I want us to take the Bible to pick it up and say, ah, this is a story of my family. This is who I am. And so on March 8th, again, we're going to launch into this new Bible study. And I hope the whole, everybody in the parish will participate. It's to reclaim our story again. Because what the Bible reveals to us is why we are here and where we are going. And I guarantee you, there is, the devil hates nothing more than a Christian whose eyes are wide open. A Christian fully aware of who he or she is. You are the most dangerous person on earth when we realize that you and I are creating the image and likeness of God. See, that is why Xi Jinping hates us. Kim Jong-un hates us. Plutarco Elias Callas of Mexico in the 20s hated us. Why Adolf Hitler hated us. Why Mussolini hated us. Why the Emperor Diocletian hated us. Why the Emperor Severus hated us. Because we knew who we were. And we said no to their faces. Grab a bulletin. And I hope you discern well. If you're willing to participate, we're going to learn the story of our divine family.